0: Weirdo, what's your superpower, and how will you use it to change the world? Welcome to the season finale of season one of Just Us Weirdos. I'm the writer and host, Charlie White, and I'm just going to get right into the story today. So get comfortable, think of something weird, and put a smile on your face. It's time for issue number 18 of Just Us Weirdos. There are no heroes, part two. Hey, Graphene! IT girl yells over the chaotic noises of a building being evacuated as a maniacal 80-foot-long cyborg spider scales its side, shooting lasers as it climbs. One of these lasers shoots toward the young hero who just called for her friend. Graphene is clutching a stack of small, shiny gray disks she has drawn just for this occasion, and she tosses one towards her friend. The laser hits the graphite disk, shattering it, but it deflects the bolt. What? Graphene says to her friend. I brought you some homework, IT Girl says. I figured you might be low after the dam. She reaches into her backpack and pulls out a binder tossing it to her friend. Graphene points at the NSC suit, the massive spider robot whose artificially intelligent brain has merged with Genesis Koromoto. Graphene says, Can't you just tell this thing to reboot? I could tell one system to reboot, but that device is full of redundant systems. And even if I were to get them all down at the same time, there's a human mind in there too." Graphene ducks into an alley where she can get some cover from NSE Genesis and cracks open the binder, beginning to furiously scribble through several homework assignments to restore her power levels. So can you focus on just one system? IT girl reaches out to NSE Genesis with her technopathic power and scans for a weakness. As she does, she notices that it is beginning to aim a missile at a nearby building. IT girl shifts her technopathic power to a binary news drone above the NSE Genesis, and she commands that to reboot. The drone falls from the sky, into the path of the missile, just as it launches from the spider bot. There's a massive explosion, but the bot crawls on, unscathed. At least the missile didn't hit its target. Maybe I can focus on disabling its weapons, IT Girl says, concentrating harder on NSC Genesis. Those white panels aren't just for show, a voice sounds from behind them. A storm drain lid pops up off of the ground and is shoved aside, and a black and yellow clad figure emerges. Those panels are EMP shielding. They prevent the circuits from being manipulated from outside of the robot. If we can pry one of those panels off, your powers might work better. Glad you're here, Beninja, IT Girl says. Here, I brought this for you. She again reaches into her backpack and throws two bunches of bananas at the hero. I'm sorry I didn't have time to peel them. Gosh, you came prepared. What else do you have in there? Graphene asks. A thermos full of water in case fish shows up, IT Girl says. I'm going to get up to the top floor of this tower, Beninja says. And the fastest way for me to do that is as Kirby Kuramoto instead of Beninja. I've done it before. You're not going to be able to do that this time, IT girl says. All Jodande clearances have been revoked after, well, that, she says, gesturing to Kirby's grandfather, who is driving the rogue spider-pot. I don't know if I'll be able to help. I can't draw that much ladder, Graphene says. I'm out of lead. Uh, graphite, I mean. You could fly, says a new voice from behind them. The three heroes turn to see Fish out of water emerging from the river. He's wearing a binary supersuit, just like the one Graphene had until very recently. Up at the top of Binary Tower, One of the spidery legs rips a steel radio tower from the building and hurls it towards Fish out of water. Beninja, sensing the threat, shreds the peel off a banana, then throws both the banana and the peel at the same time toward Fish out of water. The peel hits Fish's feet and the banana hits his chest, pushing him back into the river. The radio tower crashes into the ground where Fish had been standing as he splashes into the river Majestic. Moments later, he re-emerges from the water. "'Thanks for that,' he says, scurrying into the cover of the alley. "'I thought you were with her,' Graphene says, pointing to the Binary Consolidated Tower. Graphene is talking about Gwenifer Work, VP of Binary, and a self-designed superhero. Or so she says. "'Why are you hanging out with us weirdos? Don't you have some rich people to save?' "'Somebody's gotta stop this,' Fish says. I don't care who. Right now, Mrs. Work doesn't have the suit, so Binary can't do anything about this. And I'm not kidding. You can have my suit. You use it better than I do. Graphene considers this for a moment. Without someone in the NSE suit helping us, we can only use the rocket boots for about 15 seconds. Is that enough? It has to be, Beninja says. But, Graphene, you're useful here on the ground. Your skills are better at protecting people than mine are. I should take the suit up. When did we start behaving like a team, Graffian says. I guess we just needed a disaster. It's too bad Wondar's not real. Quadropolis could really use someone to come save the day right now. Speaking of which, I'm going to try to call Bernie again. We could really use his mind-controlling powers. IT Girl has been trying to get in touch with Bernie Connors ever since the Trouble at the Dam started. He's not answering texts, voicemails, or emails. She decides to try calling QPDR headquarters. The receptionist tells her that Bernie is not in right now, but puts Dagny through to Rose, the production assistant. Look, I'll be honest, Dagny says as she prepares to lie. I'm Dagny Work. You know who my mom is, Gwenifer Work. I'm friends with Kirby Kuramoto, whose grandpa is in that crazy suit that's attacking Binary Consolidated right now. I can come on your news show, and I can get Kirby to come on as well. Getting the two of us on air to plead with the attacker might be helpful, and Bernie seems like the kind of person who would run with that story. We've been looking for him too, Ro says. Disasters like this one are usually his beat, but Bernie is just as missing as Wondar seems to be. Given what Genesis Kuramoto is doing up there on that tower, the Kuramoto name is poison right now. The government has frozen all of the Kuramoto family assets. They're not worth a dime right now, and it would probably kill our ratings if we did a sympathy piece about them. Rose keeps talking, but IT girl lets her phone go. She looks across the alley at her relatively new friend, Beninja. He has lost nearly everything today his robotic butler, several years' worth of free-shrunk bananas that his powers depend on, the reputation of his secret identity, which has been branded a terrorist, and now his family's wealth. And yet, he is strapping on a million-dollar power suit, getting ready to fly into the face of danger to help save some of the very people who have tried to destroy him. Next to Kirby, her friend Amina madly scribbles on multiple homework assignments to replenish her power. Occasionally, she looks up to make sure people are okay. She sees a group of binary employees hurrying out of the besieged tower. Graphene sets her homework aside and runs to them, drawing a line on top of an overturned city bus and popping it over their heads to make a covered tunnel for their safety. NSC Genesis uses this opportunity to fire another laser blast at Graphene, which she blocks with one of her graphite disks. Somehow they've gone from being the weird kids with weird powers to the only people who can solve this problem. Maybe. Beninja finishes getting the suit on. I think the trip up is going to kill the suit's battery. So I'm going up, but don't expect me back down. Hold on, Graphene says. She draws a small circle on the ground with her fingertip. She pulls the circle off of the ground with her left hand but continues to draw larger and larger circles around the first with her right hand. The object Graphene has drawn is like a human-sized ice cream cone. He tips it up and climbs in under it, then activates his jet boots, shooting up into the air like a rocket. NSE Genesis immediately targets him with lasers, but they bounce harmlessly off of the graphite shield. As the Beninja rocket cone blasts toward the top of Binary Towers, eight bananas drop from the bottom of the cone. The rocket gains altitude, climbing slightly higher than NSE Genesis. And then eight peels fly simultaneously out of the bottom, one directed at each foot of the Spiderbot. And all at once, NSE Genesis loses its grip on the binary tower and plummets toward the ground below. Kirby, IT Girl yells into the comms. Your grandfather! Stick with hero names, IT girl. In Genesis, Kuramoto is safe. Jodande engineers will have created countermeasures to protect against a fall-like that. Even as NSE Genesis falls off the skyscraper, small jets begin to fire from various points around the spidery robot, slowing its descent. Still, it crashes with a great deal of force into the city's feet, crushing abandoned cars and shattering most of the windows in the block. Graphene quickly examines the fallen Genesis and notices damaged white shielding along its exterior. Can you sense any of the systems now, ID girl? Dagny reaches back out with her technopathic power. Just barely. I need a stronger signal. I'll make one for you, Graphene says. And she draws a long S-shape on the ground and pops out a graphite crowbar. She runs for NSC Genesis, which is just now beginning to get its footing again. You need to get to the top, to the cockpit, IT Girl yells, but Graphene can't hear her over the chaos. Fish out of water pipes up. If only there was a puddle nearby, I could help. IT Girl reaches into her backpack and tosses Fish out of water the thermos. Go, she says. This is your time. Fish looks at the thermos, then begins to run full speed after graphene. When he gets close, he places the thermos on the ground and jumps into it, transforming into the small shape of a goldfish as he does so. It girl can't see it, but she knows inside he's activating what she has come to think of as his fish flop. Indeed, the small goldfish seems to fold himself in half before flinging himself from the thermos at a rapid pace turning back into a human as he leaves the water. A human barreling through the air at a ridiculous speed, almost as if he's flying. He yells as he flops toward the top of the robot, and Graphene tosses him the graphite crowbar. Fish grabs it and lands on top of the cockpit, jamming the crowbar into one of the damaged panels, and he begins to pry it away. Almost casually, one of the limbs of Anise Genesis wraps up behind Fish and picks him up by his pants. NSC Genesis flicks the boy away, sending him tumbling toward the concrete. Fortunately, there's something there to break his fall. Unfortunately, it's IT girl. Fish out of water tumbles into her, and they conk heads, both blacking out. Graphene looks to NSC Genesis, as it almost seems to shake the damage off and she realizes she can't do anything without her friend. She runs back to IT Girl and Fish, and she sees that they're still breathing. Graphene has no idea what to do. The laser blast gets her attention, and she spends another graphite disc to block it. She knows she has to get her friends to safety. The Kuramoto storm drain is nearby. Graphene quickly sketches a net and pops it into place around IT Girl and Fish. Then she drags them to the tunnel to get them away from NSE Genesis. Graphene turns back to the monstrous spider bot, trying to imagine what she might do. She's grateful to see Beninja surfing down the side of the Binary Tower on a banana peel, using carbon ropes to control his speed. I think I have a plan, she tells him when he lands. She tells Beninja her only idea, that perhaps if he unmasks and shows that he is Kirby... The part of NSE Genesis that is still his grandfather might stop the attack. Beninja thinks about it for a moment. I don't know. He doesn't actually like me very much. But I can't think of a better plan. Beninja begins to walk toward the hulking spider robot. But before he gets there, a limo screeches to a halt in front of him. The back door flies open, and Graphene sees Bernie inside. He has a blank look on his face. Then Mrs. Work steps out from the limousine, and she walks calmly towards NSE Genesis. The bot focuses a laser claw on her. Mrs. Work lifts her right hand, and something silvery dangles from it. Graphene looks closer. It's Bernie's bracelet, the caduceus, the source of his superpower. And Mrs. Work has it. "'I am smarter than you, Genesis,' Mrs. Work says. "'I am heroically smart.'" When she says the word hero, the caduceus begins to glow. "'I knew you would try to do this, "'and I programmed a failsafe into that suit. "'When I say Hermes Wondar 7, "'the suit will lose its power, "'and you will be nothing but a man.'" Truthfully... Mrs. Work had no idea that Genesis Kuramoto would ever use the NSE suit, much less foolishly try to merge his mind with the artificial intelligence in the presence of a radiation leak. Mrs. Work had programmed no such failsafe, for, even as smart as she is, she did not anticipate this highly unusual scenario. But, dear listener, even if you know the facts, and I do, That truth begins to fade from the minds of the people standing near Mrs. Work. First, it fades from the hybrid human-AI mind of NSE Genesis, who hears the story of heroes and monsters from the woman wielding the Caduceus, and believes it to be true. The spider's legs slump and fall toward the ground. Genesis Kurumoto does not even notice that his finger is on the controls causing this to happen so convinced is he of Mrs. Work's story. Next, this false truth works its way into the brain of Graphene, who stares open-mouthed at the horror of someone like Mrs. Work holding something as powerful as the Caduceus. She hasn't known how desperately Mrs. Work wanted to find the mind controller in town. She doesn't know the extent Mrs. Work has been watching them to discover his identity. But even as Graphene tries to piece it together, the sense of worry slips from her mind and is replaced with a new reality, that Mrs. Work is a hero because Mrs. Work said so. People People of Quadropolis. Quadropolis, turning to her news drones which now flock around her, broadcasting her image to the whole city. You have grown up on stories of heroes, of people like Wondar who will save you from disasters like this. Wondar is is a lie. She she was was made made to make you you feel safe. safe. This city, Quadropolis, is a beacon of light to the whole world. We are the cradle of technology. We must survive so that companies like Binary Consolidated can shape the future. It is time for everyone in Quadropolis to wake up to the reality. There are no heroes. These words worm their way into the brain of Amina Amparo, who begins to wonder why she's standing in the wreckage of a disaster area in the city, and why she's wearing such a strange outfit. Sheepishly, Amina slips her mask off. There are no heroes, but there can be, Mrs. Work continues. And Binary Consolidated will build them. We are here to save you, Quadropolis. You can put your trust in me. But it isn't quite the end yet. Behind the action, two heroes lie in a storm drain, their unconscious minds unaffected by the caduceus enhanced words of Mrs. Work. Next to them is a young boy who used the cover of Chaos to sneak into the storm drain with his friends. He is robbed of most of his powers and his assets and the power of both his real name and his superhero name. He has also decided to rob himself of hearing, at least temporarily, with some of the last of his banana cream capsules. I really just need to buy some earplugs, Beninja mutters to himself as he wipes sticky banana cream off his face. He waits with IT Girl and Fish Out of Water until they awaken. They all pull off their masks and Kirby fills them in on what has happened. Dagny wants to help Amina right away, but Kirby convinces her that now is not the time. They have to regroup and make a plan. Unsure where to go, Kirby leads them through the tunnels back to the old school administration building, hoping they can make use of his command center in the old garage. On the way, Dagny covers her ears, saying, I'm hearing some broken technology. Kirby, do you still have any of that spy equipment on you? Kirby shakes his head. I have nothing electronic on me at all. Jules Jones says, Oh yeah, I almost forgot this. He takes off his backpack and unzips it, showing the contents to Dagny and Kirby. Inside, cracked and dented, but still remarkably shiny, is the robotic head of Butler Bot. Its mouth flashes, but no sound emerges from it. Still, Dagny grabs the bag from Jules and hugs it. I can hear it, Kirby. It's saying, at your service, Master Beninja." And that's a wrap on season one of Just Us Weirdos. What do you think of being a podcaster, Gabe? It's awesome. I know. When we started this whole thing in June, by brainstorming weird kids with even weirder powers, I had no idea it would come to this.
1: But making a podcast is fun!
0: It's a blast, and it's even more of a blast to interact with our listeners. We had so much fun getting all of the creative submissions when we played Villainous Letters, and we're looking forward to doing even more games and contests as our listener base grows. You can help us out there. Tell everybody you know about this show. Send them to justusweirdos.com or have them look us up on Facebook or Twitter at Just Us Weirdos, or Instagram at Just us Weirdos Podcast. The more people we get listening on a regular basis, the more interaction we'll be able to incorporate into the show.
1: Speaking of contest, did someone win that t-shirt contest? Oh, I think I know who it might be.
0: If you guessed five-year-old Robin from Canada, you're right.
1: Woo! Robin's awesome superhero is Butterboy. Butterboy puts butter on the ground and makes villains slip and hurt themselves. He doesn't slip on the butter because he has sticky boots. He shares the sticky bits with other superheroes so they can work together.
0: Thank you, Robin. We will be sending a message on Facebook to your parent with instructions to get your free t-shirt. And thank you to everybody who participated, not just in the Weirdo Power Contest, but in all the other games and interactive events we had through Season 1. I'm excited to say we'll be having more of those in Season 2.
1: Speaking of which, I'm excited that we even have a Season 2
0: i know we've started writing it but we've still got some work to do
1: a lot of work
0: and that's where another thank you comes in i want to thank my creative director gabe white having gabe there to help me work out problems to encourage me to write more pages especially when i got writer's block and to see creative ways through things really made a difference in getting this podcast out thank you gabe
1: i've even helped In an episode of season two. It wouldn't have made it if I didn't solve a simple problem.
0: But we're going to stay away from any spoilers. Speaking of that, you're not going to hear from us for a couple weeks. We're going to take a little podcast vacation. But before season two drops, we'll be back with a special surprise.
1: Involves mythology.
0: I said no spoilers. You're fired, Gabe. Aww. Just kidding. Gabe, did we thank the listeners yet?
1: I think that's going to be my job.
0: Let's say thank you to Joe Carnwath for writing our original theme music. Thanks also to Love Hustler, who you've already heard during our fake-out ending. What you're listening to right now is Zigzag by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. This is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Thank
1: you so much for listening to Season 1. And remember, be kind, be creative, and most of all, be weird. See you next season, weirdos.